You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. We are busy. We're packed. Commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, will join us in an hour. Head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers, Jeremy Pruitt, will join us. Former defensive coordinator at Alabama. His athletic director, Philip Fulmer, plans on having 100,000 fans showing up for the games in the fall. Marv Albert, NBA on TNT, calls games, has called games for decades, not calling games in the bubble in Orlando. Marv will join us coming up in the final hour of the show. You like to get in touch with the program? You can a variety of ways. You can dial us up. You can email. You can tweet. You can watch on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show and listen on the great radio affiliates we have around the country. I'm not sure if uh, baseball reporting to camp today should be called spring training two. Teams are at their home facilities, not in Florida or Arizona. And there's not the optimism and fun we associate with spring training this time around. You got a lot of nervous people, players, coaches, managers, staff, employees. Major League Baseball's already started comprehensive testing, and some players have decided that they're just not coming back. They're not going to uh, run the risk. They have a lot of work, and they're new rules. you got to figure out rotations, 60-game sprint. Managers have to pay close attention to the bottom of their rosters. Depth's going to be more important than ever. The last couple of months, we've been speaking theoretically about the return of team sports, and now it's here. We're going to see if the safety guidelines are going to work in real life because these players are not going to be in a bubble. They're going to go to the ballpark and go home. At least you hope that they go to the ballpark and then they come home. But uh, we're going to see if they're playing baseball by the time the calendar reaches July 23rd. If I would have told you back in March, mid-March, when everything got shut down, we might have sports back in July, late July. We might your reaction would have been probably the same as mine. Oh, we got time. We can figure this out. We were a whole lot different back then in mid-March. We were a whole lot more naive with all of this. And now I think we're conditioned to look at this and go, there's a chance that this won't work out with the NBA. There is a chance that Major League Baseball won't get to the fall. And there is a chance in the fall that the NFL and or college football doesn't go as scripted. And we should be prepared for that. We were all shocked. We've been surprised. We've been disappointed. But we've also been hopeful. Now the reality starts to set in. It's like when you're going to have a test in school and you know that you got three weeks to get ready for, four weeks to get, oh, that's not even real, not even thinking about anything. And then all of a sudden you get to, the night before the test, and you go, oh, my God, I'm not ready. I should have prepared a little bit more. Not that I'm speaking of firsthand knowledge, but that's what it feels like. We kept putting things off. Oh, we got time. The NFL has time. College football has time. They don't have time. This is happening right in front of us in real time and trying to adjust to this. And I know I'm doomsday Danny. But I, I approach this from a realistic, logical perspective. That's all. Just applying logic. Because I can hope, pray, wish, want. Doesn't matter. And the same with these commissioners. 
It doesn't matter. And you have players who are voicing concerns, and rightfully so. What happens when the baseball player tests positive? You had the, the general manager of the New York Yankees, Brian Cashman, said, we can't say who tests positive. If you go on the injured, like what is the designation going to be? Illness? Because you can say flu, but, you know, these players are saying, hey, you know what? We have There's privacy laws here. People are going to be betting on these baseball games. They're going to want to know, is this player out for how long? And, and is he injured? Is he sick? Does he have the virus? And I understand the privacy portion of this. I do. But it's going to be difficult for teams to have a designation for a player who tests positive. And Brian Cashman admitted to that. He goes, we, we can't. But we'll talk to the commissioner about that in an hour. Like, what is the designation going to be? Bryce Harper is not playing today because Bryce Harper is not playing for the next two weeks. Then we'll know. But I'm not reporting that, by the way. I'm just using that as a what if scenario. Sorry, McLovin. I didn't mean to. He's all yelling. I know. I no, I, I was actually just wondering, like, what is the manager going to say after the game when 10 guys are like, where was Bryce Harper tonight? I don't know what you can say unless you say, you have to say to the player, you know, you handle this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm trying to protect you. You have a press conference because I can't lie for you. This program is brought to you by LegalZoom. Need to make it legal? Make it LegalZoom.com. We're all faced with new challenges these days. If you need legal help, it's there for you. You can start online, network of independent attorneys, and they can provide advice when you need it. And since LegalZoom isn't a law firm, you don't have to leave your home. Visit LegalZoom.com today for more information. McLevin, you got a poll question for me today. Yeah, we have different versions of really where the seasons stand. Here, Paulie asked, which is more likely, MLB and NBA both complete their seasons or MLB and NBA both do not complete their seasons? If you had to bet with both of them, if you put them in the same boat together. So you have to have them both together. I can't pick and choose and say the NBA will work out and baseball won't. Right, it's a more likely. Unless, I mean, is that, is that how you feel? That the NBA is more like? That's the other question. Which is a better system, the bubble or the home markets? Which is a safer system to get through this? I'm going to say the bubble. Feels like the NBA has been working on this collectively, while baseball, the players and owners, have been working maybe to get to this point, but they've been at a distance here. But if you look at the commissioner with what he's done, once you get in the bubble, you're going to be a whole lot more protected than you are with these players playing baseball, and you have more freedom there. You're going to be coming and going. You know, teams could do bed checks in Orlando. Like the old days. Yes, McLovin. But it is in Florida, so the, the whole bubble story changed a little bit because of the yes. spike in cases. I feel like two weeks ago, there was an anti-bubble movement being like, well, you know what? You're going to get everyone together, and it's going to be a bit of a higher risk. But now, today, you're right, I agree. <laughs> this is what happens when reality starts to set in. The bubble. Oh, we got time. We're going to be going to Florida, going to Disney World, and, uh, you know, they didn't think about it. Because there's no reason to think about it then. Now you're thinking about it. Now you see some of these players 
you know, can the Nets field a team to go to Orlando? Will players want to go? Now the reality starts to set in. Before, everybody wants to be a good team player. Everybody wants to say the right thing. Now you're getting players who are actually speaking their minds, what they really feel. And that is, you may not like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it. And you're starting to see more and more of these athletes voice concerns, and rightfully so. What other poll questions do you have? Okay, uh, this is a actually going back to March bet with me and Pauly. Does the NFL season start on time? We bet a steak dinner about this because I was a cynic back in March saying, I don't think it's going to start on time. And now you, I know you have a little inside knowledge in here, so we're not going to let you in the bet. But if that was the poll, what do you think people say? No, the only information I got was somebody saying, just look at the schedule and can they take those first four weeks and then put them on the back end of the schedule? That was all that was pointed out to me is the NFL has to have contingency plans. I don't know if we're any better by starting a month later in the NFL. I truly don't know. You know, college football, I don't know if we're any better if we start a month later. I don't know if we're any better if we start in spring, like the Ivy League is talking about this. I just have my doubts with this because I think it's it's a house of cards. I think the NBA is a house of cards. I think baseball is a house of cards. You pull out one card and it all comes crashing down. And I think it's that tenuous. I know that there's going to be collateral damage here. You're going to have people who... Test positive. Some may get sick. Some of the older people in organizations, coaches, GMs, they could be at risk, will be at risk. Marv Albert is not going to Orlando because of his age. I don't know how many other people are going to be put in a position that's going to be uncomfortable for them, but they're still going to go. Older coaches are going to go. I I just... I'm giving the NFL a little more credit than they probably deserve because a source told me yesterday, this could end very badly. That was the text. Because I said, what kind of concerns do you have? This could end very badly. And that is, it gets shut down. Hate to to think that, but that's the reality. We weren't thinking of this in March or April, or May. Here we are in July, and we have to think about it. And that's the key with this. We have to think about it instead of, let's push it off. You can't push it off any longer. Remember the NBA, the commissioner, who I have great respect for, Adam Silver? Very smart guy. Late March, she said, you know, we're looking at maybe um, May, uh, May 1st, May 8th. He was on the jump with Rachel Nichols. And I said, don't do that. Don't put out these dates. Because everybody thinking, yeah, NBA's coming back. And here we are. A long way away from May 1st or May 8th. And then he went radio silent for about three weeks. And I go, great. I don't want to hear from you. Then they announced the bubble. You know, Major League Baseball. Do they really want to play? This is about, and I know that these commissioners, including Commissioner Adam Silver, said this isn't about dollars and cents. Well, it's about dollars. It's, you know, maybe not about cents and spelling cents in a different way. It is about money. That's what this is about. Let's not kid anybody. It's about money. We'll plow through it. 
there's going to be collateral damage, and hopefully we get a World Series here. Hopefully we get an NBA championship here. And I, I just, I think you have to have trepidation here. And I certainly do. If it happens, I, I'd be the first to say, hey, I overreacted. I haven't overreacted since the middle of March. Nobody can accuse me of overreacting. Back then, people did. Nobody's doing that now. Because you have to be realistic with this. You can't just wish things to go away. Yeah, Paul. The, the NBA bubble, the way you're talking about it, how in the distance it's no big deal, and now it's coming up. Remember when you got engaged, and you're like, you got engaged, and then you go look at a few venues. Ah, it's a year away. Let's plan the honeymoon. Let's get that stuff. And then you start going to meetings about flowers and about table settings and about names. And, and then it's six weeks away. And yeah, you still want to get married, of course, but you're like, this, this is it. it it's, it's happening. And then your palms start to get a little sweatier, yeah. get a little nervous here. How am I going to pay for this? The bachelor party goes three days instead mm, of two. Mm. <laughs> it gets a little messy. It gets a little sloppy. Yeah, Todd. Have they had specific conversations because they already had trouble with the vague legalese with baseball early on in March? What happens to the players if they start the season and they stop in the middle? How do these players get paid just what the games they played? Do they get a, a portion of the games that they thought they were going to play? I wonder if that's a. Uh, I think you vague. get paid for what you play in. I think that's it. There are owners, and I'm going to ask the commissioner, I don't know if he'll answer it, but how many owners didn't want this season to resume? What I was told, and I firmly believe it, and I told you this a couple of weeks ago that a source said, the commissioner knew exactly what he was doing with all of this. In the number of games that the owners were willing to accept, and he wasn't budging. And, you know, had the Players Association, they kept, you know, they kept coming back. They started at, what, 114? And then all of a sudden they're working their way back, and they go, okay, we'll take uh, 75. The commissioner didn't budge. Because from what I was told, the owner said, this is what we will accept. We know we're going to lose money. We want to get postseason money because that's mostly our money. And can we get the regular season out of the way to get into the postseason? And what's the fewest games we can do it? And they came up with 60. And you saw those last couple of weeks. Commissioner didn't budge. Knew exactly what he was doing. To me, all scripted. But you can't script what's going to happen when the season starts. As much as they're going to try. Kevin in Boston joins us. Hi, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good, uh, sir. 6'3", and the deceptively fast, 265. All right. Um, I, I was just wondering, because I woke up with uh, Korean baseball this morning, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on if the MLB should do some like around the clock scheduling and, you know, have games go from nine in the morning to like, you know, start at like 10 o'clock at night. Well, I'm thinking afternoon games. Thank you, Kevin. And I don't know what the commissioner has schedule wise, but I mentioned this with the NBA, with the bubble. If you started games in the afternoon and then you could let the West coast teams play in a West coast time slot, so you could you know, make sure you're playing in front of your fans. But having three or four NBA games in the afternoon to the evening, and then you want to have the Lakers or the Clippers, you know, the Rockets, marquee team from the West Coast there, I think it would be great. I don't know what baseball has planned here. How many afternoon games? If there's no fans, then 
you know, and I know you're going to get good revenue. Are you going to get good uh, uh, TV ratings here? I don't know how important that is. You want to be fair to your broadcast partners here, but can you have afternoon games? How many afternoon games can you have? Does that even matter? Yeah, McLevin. I'm looking at the early, the first few NBA games came out, and the first night is Jazz Pelicans and Clippers Lakers at night. Then uh, the next day, Magic Nets at 2.30 p.m. Are you tuning in for Yes. Then 4 o'clock, Suns Wizards. Yeah, I love that. Oh, get out of here. You're crazy. McLovin, how long have you known me? This is built for Dan Patrick. I'm actually saying you're crazy because you will watch. (laughs) Yeah, this this is my schedule right here. They're totally burying the dogs in the afternoon. Well, it's like watching uh, Maryland football at noon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little Indiana action, yeah. Indiana football. Yeah, like Maction on a Tuesday night. Yeah, I'm all for this. Uh, we'll get to phone calls here coming up. We can, but we have a busy schedule. The commissioner at the top of next hour. Uh, but Jeremy Pruitt, the Tennessee head coach. I don't know what kind of safety guidelines they have at Tennessee. I don't know how many players have tested positive. I do know, though, Clemson, Alabama, and LSU have had quite a few. And uh, we'll talk to uh, Jeremy Pruitt. Marv Albert will tell us why he finally decided that he wasn't going to go to Orlando to broadcast the games in the bubble. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Coming up on 19 after the hour. Glad you're part of the program. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This program brought to you by the great folks at Mercedes-AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way. It's the all-new GT four-door coupe. Life's a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you missed any of our interviews this week or any week from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, go to the Dan Patrick Show app where you can watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Mercedes-AMG driving performance starting his third season at the University of Tennessee. Head coach, He's Jeremy Pruitt, who joins us on the program. Good morning, Coach. How's morale? Yeah, everything's great. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, you guys got in the news. Well, you've been in the news for a couple of reasons. Another great recruiting class. But Philip Fulmer says going to have 100,000 fans at the home games there in the fall. How, how optimistic are you that you'll have 100,000 fans watching Volunteers football? Well, if they completely open up the stadium, I'm sure there'll be 100,000 people there for sure. But do you think there will be? Well, I don't know about that. That's uh, There's lots of time between now and then. Uh, how optimistic are you that you can start this season on time? You know, our, our medical staff has done an outstanding job getting our players back and uh, working a plan and through the SEC uh, – you know, we've done a nice job ex- executing the plan, and we've got to continue to do, do that. Compare this June to last year at this time. Well, it, it, it's obviously um, we started later, um, you know, and it's been voluntary. So, um, you know, it's been more so with the players and the strength staff as opposed with the coaching staff. So all the meetings have been online. So it's obviously a little bit different. Are you allowed to announce the number of players who have tested positive? I, I saw where Alabama, Clemson, LSU, uh, it feels like that, that's that been a team or school announcement. What about uh, Tennessee? Yeah, with all the players that we've had in here and that we've tested, we've had zero 
positive test for the guys that we've tested. How often are they going to be tested the rest of this summer? Well, that will be up to our medical staff. Um, you know, we're our guys are going out um, for a three-day weekend this weekend, so uh, they'll have a plan when they come back to get everybody within our program tested, and we'll start over. Yeah, it, you know, we're in these – it's almost like day-to-day, Coach, of trying to figure this out of, you know – you, you know, we, we keep saying, well, we're going to start on time. And I keep telling people, and this is day to day. You can have those goals and we can wish for that. But what do you say to your players as far as what, whatever concerns they may have? What, what's your message to them? Yeah, we've been worried about the things that we have control over. Um, so once we get in here, get in here and we have tests and uh, we, we don't have negatives, uh, you know, we kind of control the our own surroundings, you know. So within our program, we've done a very nice job of that this summer, and we've got to continue to do that. When do you have a full contact practice? Uh, let's see. We start uh, practice on August 7th, so um, it's it's three or four days after that. I was looking at the, the, coach, uh, the quarterbacks you've coached against ver- uh, when you uh, stay at Tennessee, Jared Stidham, Tua, Drew Locke, Jake Fromm, Will Greer, who was the toughest to prepare for out of that group? Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm sure all these guys uh, present different problems, but, you know, that's kind of in the past. I'm kind of looking. Oh, uh, have a little bit of fun, coach. Come on. <laughs> I'm looking to the future to see who we've got to compete against. Come on. Who was the toughest one out of that group? Because I'm curious about Stidham. He seems a little bit more of a mystery there. Uh, two of we know a lot about. Locke, it feels like, is coming on. And uh, not sure about Fromm and Greer. But tell me about Stidham. Well, you know, that was a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, the system that he played in, um, you know, they, they really throw the ball more down the field. There's not a lot of RPOs and stuff. So, um, you know, we actually had a good day against him. I mean, over the last couple of years, it's been pretty obvious in our league, the guys that we've played against, uh, you know, Tua has been as good as uh, anybody I've coached against in a long time. Um, and I felt like Jake Fromm done a nice job um, as far as managing, you know, his offense uh, over the last three years that we competed against. Him. Does it help? You were a high school quarterback, I think went to college to be a quarterback. Does it help as a defensive quarter, uh, defensive-minded guy that – You've played the position. Does that help at all? Well, I think uh, when you start talking about defense, if you want to be good defensively, you got to start from the back end and work your way forward. So um, being able to eliminate explosive plays really starts with the defensive back. So whether it's in the throw game or uh, squeezing the runs off. So, um, you know, I, and I do think that probably my experience as a as a quarterback in high school, helps me have a little bit better understanding of what people are trying to do offensively. Who plays the position the way you played quarterback? The way I played quarterback? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I would say most of them play it much better than I did. Yeah, but do you, you know, is it, were you a Brady like? Were you a Rodgers like, an option guy, Cam Newton guy? Uh, I wouldn't say I was like any of those guys. <laughs> uh, do you have any uh, Alabama gear left? No, I don't. Got rid of everything? Did you have a garage sale? No, I just gave – I had a lot of friends I could just give it away to. 
Where's your Tennessee colors here? I, you're, you're kind of subdued today. I expected some orange here. Well, this is a shirt that they gave me to wear for this uh, interview. Oh, they... G- Wait, I got a... Who's your... I need checkerboard. I need something here. Who's your wardrobe guy? Let me talk to him. You got to talk to Roger Frazier. Come on, Rog. Give me some orange here. Man. Uh, hey, well, good luck with the season and uh, all these hurdles that we have coming up. We appreciate your time, and uh, good luck this season, Coach. Thank you. That's uh, Jeremy Pruitt. He's a uh, former defensive coordinator at Alabama and uh, Tennessee Volunteers. He was eight, I think, spent eight years with uh, Coach Saban at uh, Alabama. Uh, let me see. We got a poll question there, McLevin? Uh, actually, I want to put this one up. MLB season, 60 games. Do you find that more or less exciting than 162 games? It's a fair question. Well, I love this 60-game sprint. Yeah, me too. I think it's cool. I know it's not the way they wanted it to go down. I just think that you have every team, every fan base is involved here. What's the counter-argument to 60 games? That it's too big an asterisk? How can we stop with the asterisk? Don't tell me to stop the asterisk with 60 games. I would love to have baseball implement a 100-game schedule. 162 is just too long. You know, it, it, you know, you got you want excitement. Sixty is too short, but you want excitement. You want the games to mean something. Games don't mean much, and and you're going to have everybody involved. Let's say you win seven or eight games in a row. All of a sudden, you're looking at making the playoffs. Small market teams are going to have a chance. This isn't ideal. We can all agree on that. But while we have it, let's find out something that we can enjoy with it. And that's part of it, that you're going to have teams maybe getting a chance to stay involved in a playoff chase, a pennant race. Then they, How many teams do we write off at the beginning of the year? Beginning of the year, you just say, nope, 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 maybe, nope, nope, maybe. Yeah, Paul. Dan, I got the baseball standings from a year ago, late July. 15 of the 30 teams were at least 14 games out of the first. Mm. That meant they're basically no longer playoff eligible. Half of the league and half of the league's fan bases were just watching games for pastime because their teams were not really in it. Now everyone's in it. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. I mean, I have to look at, I have to be optimistic with something. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm starving for something, right? Give me 60 games. Give me a sprint. You know, they, we have favorite restaurants. Now you're just looking for any restaurant that's open. That's my feeling with Major League Baseball. By the way, did Coach Pruitt want to come on the show? Uh, did he look like he was doing us a favor? I don't know. I, I felt like I was interrogating him. He's just super focused on getting, oh, this, focused uh, on getting the season. season off the ground. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> I couldn't even get Tennessee Orange on here. It's a fair question about the wardrobe. Yeah. So thank you, Todd. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm going, uh-oh, short answers here. Does he want to be on? All righty. We're going to take it one game at a time. Yeah, I'm taking it one question at a time Hopefully there. Hopefully we'll have a season, Dan. That's <laughs> it's I like, All right. Waiting for Coach to expound upon. When I said, hey, give me the guy toughest to prepare for. No, that's in the past. No, no, I need a little help here. And I don't think you were trying to, you were asking him to compare himself to the abilities of Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. I, I think you were getting to the, what, what kind of player he was. Did he run or did he stay in the pocket? I was trying to be a little playful there, Todd. I was. <laughs> he wasn't biting on I that. was No, he was not. No. 
Maybe I shouldn't have led with 100,000 fans in the stadium. And how Big topic. Opti- how opti- that's- Do you really think that's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> if I would have started out with, hey, I'm surprised you're wearing dark colors. Maybe that would have been better. And you're usually good at that. You lighten the mood early on before yeah. you get to the hard-hitting yeah. question. Yeah. Well, I did ask him, how's morale? And I think he said, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was on a word count. To be fair to coach, you know, defensive-minded coach. How are you a quarterback and you become a defensive coach? I always find that interesting. Defensive coordinator. I read defense. (laughs) (laughs) Belichick just uh, called and said, man, can that guy talk? Uh, Yes, boys. I'll play devil's advocate, though. He's doing some good work. You know, Derek Dooley was an entertaining interview. Butch Jones was an entertaining interview. If you're a Vols fan, I'll take the quiet guy who's oh, no, I, the assassin. Oh, I know. But I don't care about the Vol fan who goes, hey, he doesn't say anything. I care about this damn show. Go Vols. I got people all around the country going, uh, huh? Yes, Todd. You do have to rest your voice though a little bit because with all the screaming and yelling that goes on during the course of a season, you can't just burn out your vocal cords oh, in an interview with you on July 1st. You know? And I know we want him to uh, express himself a little better. And July 1st, too. Got to pace yourself. Yeah. Thank you, Todd. Uh, let me Don't see. you just wonder, though, that like when he walks and sits down in the living room, like he's having like the most baller recruiting class of all yeah. time. Do you want to play for us? Yes! Let's go! <laughs> do you think he's like, a what? Steve Ballmer type? Do you know? No, I think like the kids, like how do the kids get so fired up? Like, do you, so did you want to play for us? <laughs> yes, I do. I'll sign right now. Now they've had a great recruiting <laughs> class. They got another great recruiting class, but then... I was wondering that when I'm asked, you know, I, I start to talk to him and thinking, how do you close these guys? Like, Coach Ogeron's a bulldozer. Yeah. You and, know, it, and I got to believe Saban is sneaky, funny, and playful a little bit there. Or he just wears four or five rings, yeah, whichever I, ones are convenient. We forgot how many he has. But, uh, yeah. I think we have a really exciting program. <laughs> and I think that you would be a great fit. Well. What we're trying to accomplish with our goals in the future. How would you like to come be a volunteer? And he said we're on to Cincinnati. They're not even playing no, Cincinnati. I checked the schedule. They're not playing the Bearcats. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, Chip Kelly was, you know, he was effusive. I had Chip Ke- I was worried about Chip Kelly a couple yeah, of weeks what ago. What did he ever win? Well, now you got that right. No offense. Yeah. No offense taken. <laughs> go Vols. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go to a game. Uh, Let's you, ever, go. you ever been to a game there? Oh, that tailgate. We tried. We try. We try. You know, when we have people on, I just thought he's having a good, you know, good start there. They've certainly had some, uh, you had Dooley and you had Jones there. And they've had talent that goes through there. It's almost like Tennessee is a little bit like LSU, or at least was, where you go, man, Tennessee's got a lot of athletes come through there. But they didn't have the success team-wise. Yes, he... I'll tell you one thing. We <laughs> just keep running through all the conferences and go on a run of uh, 17 national championships in a row. There's one interview I'm not doing ever again. Right here. Right here. That guy can get lost. Yeah. <laughs> if they win the national title, I'm in trouble. Yeah. I, I'm screwed. Hey, uh, <laughs> wonder if we could have Coach out again. Click, click. <laughs> Jerry Pruitt's the next Nick Saban, and we never talked to him. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Todd, call for Coach Pruitt again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and... 
I had a really good time last time I was on. <laughs> you guys are actually kind of jerks. <laughs> Why did you lead with the attendance thing? Go balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm not blaming you, Todd. I'm not blaming you because I said, yeah, I'm curious what coach. I, I wanted to have Philip Fulmer on. And if not, then we'd have Coach Pruitt on. And Tennessee's doing some big things and uh, recruiting quite well. He's got a lot on his mind. He did well. Just, very, things are up in the air. Are we playing? We're not playing. Can fans come? They can't. <sighs> yes, Paul. There might be 100,000 people at games, but I know five people who won't be invited <laughs> to those games. <sighs> it got a little rocky top that Okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. It wasn't going in the direction we had hoped. <laughs> I was a little checkerboard. Oh, wow. Why did you have wow. to do that? He always has to do that. Look how happy. Wow. <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> Later. Maybe not. Okay. Anywho. Todd's going to hear from somebody at Tennessee. Just just apologize <laughs> that we were having a little bit just of fun. Just having fun. I have no idea why I haven't received an email. Have just a, having we were fun. just having a little bit of fun. We were trying to bring out a personality. Isn't this fun? <laughs> I actually think it's hilarious. It's all about wins on the football field. Yes, it as is. As much as we want to win <laughs> for this interview I, on the show. No, no, no. It's all I, about the, the football no, field. I, I took an L. Did. I I got the you took L. One for the team. Man. Yeah, that's a lost dog. I thought you were a great interviewer. <laughs> yeah, I thought wrong. <laughs> Isn't that what you're known for? Is interviewing? Uh, I guess not. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> We took our Knoxville, oh. we dust ourselves off, and we move on. It's still over two hours yet. The commissioner of baseball is coming on for crying out loud. It's all good. Oh, I'm sure he's going to be excited to talk to me as well. The commissioner's going to come off like Don Rickles. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be like, oh, slow down the one-liners here. Okay, at Rob, least we... Do you really expect fans, commissioner? Do you really? <laughs> you know there's no way this could be a World Series. Yeah. Everyone's saying it. Why don't you just admit it? Why are we even bothering? This season's a house of cards. Zero percent. How do you answer that? What don't you understand about zero percent? At, at least we address the elephant in the room because as I'm doing the interview, I'm going, well, I'm going to miss. We're missing something here. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, maybe we should take a break here. I'm exhausted after that interview. We'll uh, take a break. Play of the day is coming up. Your phone calls and uh, the commissioner of baseball will join us top of the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR, or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. Couple of phone calls in here. Uh, let me see. How about uh, Charlie in Virginia? Good morning, Charlie. Yeah, hey, Dan. Um, look, given the prominence of your voice uh, across sports radio, I was hoping you'd address something that I don't hear talked about. You know, we're focusing on risk to the players, risk to the coaches, risk to associated personnel. But I don't hear anybody talking about the responsibility of these universities to the communities in which they reside. Um, these folks are going to get turned loose into the bigger community at large, including a whole lot of people that could care less about football or going to a football game. And yet they're going to be subjected to this risk. 
and no one seems to be stepping up to the plate and addressing what responsibility the universities have to the communities that they're in. So I'm hoping you will uh, discuss that, tee it up. All right. Thank you, Charlie. Well, you have grown-ups at these universities. I mean, you have your choice to go to the game or not. You have your choice if you don't want to play or not. I can't be you know, somebody's guardian angel and saying this is what you need to do. You have grown-ups in these positions who have to take in all these aspects that you're bringing up here. I wouldn't go to a game, but people will. They feel like I need to go or that's my right to go. Whatever reason. You know, I, and I, I saw this story in Kansas City, and I, I thought it was really well done. It's just, I, I don't know why we have to have a story like this to have people be responsible. There's a company called Raygun. It's selling masks that say, help keep Patrick Mahomes safe, wear a mask. And Raygun wrote on Twitter, Kansas City, remember how happy you were after the Super Bowl? Well, now imagine if Mahomes got covid with diminished lung capacity, couldn't repeat, uh, repeat. Masks aren't just for you. They're for Mahomes, too. Do your part. You know, I, I liked what they did, but I don't know why we have to have a gimmick or tongue-in-cheek here to just get people to protect one another. That's all. And it feels like we have to. And going to games and large gatherings, and it's just... That's why I... I, I I have a negative attitude towards this because I see everything else that's happening. And I think it's hard to just place sports in their little bubbles and protect everybody. It's just not going to happen. And as I've said before, what is the collateral damage when it's all said and done? Hey, we got a season. Hey, we crowned a champ. At what cost? That's what I want to know. Ian in South Dakota. Ian, what's on your mind? Hey, DP. Hey, boys. Uh, just, I don't think there's a card that exists for this day, but I just want to wish you guys a happy holiday today. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we're well aware of Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla gets paid over $1 million every July 1st by the Mets, and uh, it's a nice annuity there. So he has, I think he's going to get paid till he's 75. Nice little deal with Bobby Bonilla. Yes, Todd. Goes all the way to 2035. Another yep. 15 years of that. Yep. Sounds pretty good for Bobby Bonilla. Uh, Jesse in Los Angeles. Hi, Jesse. What do you have for me today? Eddie Pierce. Hey. 5'10 and a cutting 171. Nice. Uh, hey, do you think Kyler Murray's dad helped Coach Fruit prepare for that interview? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> This this isn't going to be a Matt Harvey Hall of Fame, is it, Paulie? It, it, it is, Dan, because it's college football. <laughs> it's the Vols, big fan base. I had a guy walk up to me the other day, like a 20-year-old dude, and he goes, hey, he goes, hey, he goes, Matt Harvey interview. He goes, I still watch it. Just yeah. out of nowhere, he just said the Matt Harvey interview. That's like nine years ago. Just here to honor Qualcomm. <laughs> Did you see that Qualcomm finally acknowledged that, by the way, on Twitter? Yeah. It's, it's about time. So damn good. We gave him all this publicity. Just we here. sold a lot of Qualcomm. Yeah, whatever, we sold a lot whatever of Qualcomm. Qualcomm is or was, we we helped him. You got a box the, full of them yeah. in the back, flying off the shelves. Uh, Jeff in Detroit is back. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Dan. Jeff 
from chat row, six foot six, 180 pounds. I'm interneting today. <laughs> Listen, I'm here only to represent chat row. I have a couple of questions and a couple of comments for you. First of all, they love Marvin's segment. They love hating on Mario. And they wonder how crackpots get through on the phone from, Mar you know, from Marvin because he blocks him so well. Speaking of crackpots getting through, Segway. They wonder how I get through so often. So I said, I'm going to start asking you a question. The question today comes, first of all, they want you to know that you have a lot of lady followers. They want to see your cars. And Andrea wants to know how Dan Patrick is doing since you left direct TV and struck out on your own. What's been the most surprising and what have you learned? Good, bad, or indifferent. Thank you, Jeff. That's, that's kind of deep. I don't know if I have enough time to give you all the answers there. Go Jamie Pruitt on him and just sort of... <laughs> uh, it's really been a lot of fun. That's been the past. I don't want to... I'm moving on to the future. Yes, Todd. Struck out on your own. Was that taking a shot? I think you're doing pretty well in the uh, post at and days. Thanks, Todd. Struck out on your own. I know, I got it, Todd. Like a batter would strike out as opposed to getting a base hit. That's not what the saying means. Speaking of baseball... Commissioner, Major League Baseball, will join us coming up top of the hour. He better be a lively interview. That's all I got to say. He better bring it. Yeah, great.